Let's get back to the point. Hironic tried a one-timer. I think his stick broke. Got it to the goal. There's a rebound. They score. Side to the net. Ilya Mikheyev and Pedersen were both there. Little, little, lost a little bit of composure a little bit, but I thought for the most part, you know, the resiliency. You know, it was a nice bounce back game after the Vegas game, so got to give the guys a lot of credit. 802 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three. Count them one, two, three of the program. Randy Jan is going to join us in a moment here. The highlight of hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the interweb at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. He is the color analyst right here on Sportsnet 650 for all your Canucks broadcasts. Randy Janda now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Randy. How are you? Gentlemen, good morning. It's uh, it's nice. It's a Monday. I feel pretty good for a Monday, which is rare. Well, you're, yeah, I know. It's Mondays are tough, but hey, we all had. I mean, what a great weekend for the Vancouver Canucks. They make a acquisition to the blue line that everyone was very excited about. He goes out on Saturday and puts forth a pretty good performance. Almost had a game winning goal. Later, a game winning assist on a game winning goal. But nevertheless, great uh, tip by Petey. Yeah, it was perfect. Just good hands. Is that the best way to work yourself into a team as a new guy? Is to just give a goal to another dude because that's the first thing like that, shooting it off his stick yeah and then pointing to him right away it's like no no that's yours that's yours and then in the post game saying that's that's pd's goal that's pd's goal i thought it was a good performance from zadorov on the weekend oh yeah and you know that play right after where he's pointing at pd as you mentioned that, that one scores points to say all right totally. hey, new guy comes in and just just points at the, the starter to say no you got that one i, I played a, a mere minor role in that but <laughs> overall boys um you know a decent debut for zadorov i think Emotionally, that's a really weird game. Not only do you get traded, um, Nikita Zadorov, despite the trade requests and all that, pretty well liked in Calgary during his time. So I think he dealt with it well. And overall, his qualities as a player, like what do we know? Physical, we know he's pretty good on the puck. Um, he's got, you know, he can handle the puck. And we saw a little bit of that as well. There weren't so many rush plays. They were just more patient than what we're used to seeing from some other players in that part of the lineup. Uh, Noah Juleson, Mark Friedman, and overall, just an active stick, something that, you know, they miss with uh, Carson Soucy not being in the lineup. So I think a, a real upgrade on the on the bottom end of this back end for the Vancouver Canucks. And sure, there was that one moment maybe on the 2-1 goal on the PK that he's a little too aggressive on the passer on the right half wall. And as a result, Tyler Myers goes a little bit more to the middle of the ice, leaves the back door open. But, you know, that's something that you can – get better with that reps. Uh, Rick Tockett mentioned that that's not how they necessarily pay, play on the PK, but he'll get it over time. So I think it was a pretty decent start for a guy that will be probably one of the favorites in Vancouver. Guy's got a great sense of humor. Just being at practice, he was cracking jokes. It was like a stand-up routine uh, during his availability yesterday. Uh, I think he's going to be a very fun interview and uh, certainly not afraid to speak his mind based on some of the things he was saying in Calgary. Um, what did yep. you think of the coaching staff's decision to uh, shake up the top two lines, putting Kuzmenko with Miller and Besser? And of course, we saw that in the third period against Vegas, but also promoting Lafferty up to the top line with Petey and Mikheyev. Starting on Kuzmenko there, uh, you know, at first, I was really wondering how that was going to work. And I'm not saying this is a long-term solution, but it does force Kuzmenko to play more north-south. Um, this is a 
the identity of that line. And even previously when Phil DiGiuseppe was on that line, uh, JT Miller, you know, right at the beginning of the year said, hey, we play a certain way. We all understand we have to play, you know, get pucks in deep and, and play that north-south game. We're going to have to battle. And that's not Kuzmenko's personality necessarily, but he's got to build that into his game. And when Miller and Besser are playing that way, when they're, you know, hard on pucks, when they're winning board battles, you kind of have to lean in there in your own way. So I think it's been a more simplified game by Kuzmenko so far. And as you mentioned, Jason, it's early on in that experiment, but this is going to, in my opinion, make Kuzmenko a better player. Maybe the numbers might not necessarily be there. I know he scored um, against Vegas, but overall to me, I think this is a, a step in the right direction when you're trying to get a player to play a certain way, putting him with JT and Besser, who need a different kind of look on that line based on DiGiuseppe's kind of fallback, you could say, maybe coming mm-hmm. down to earth moment. Uh, this is probably a good look for Kuzmenko. In terms of the Lafferty guys, yeah, I don't know how long this is going to last, but first shift of the game yesterday, who's aggressive on the forecheck, causes a turnover, and is really setting the tone. I thought that was a, a smart move by Rick Tockett to put him there because he brings speed, he brings physicality, he's a disruptor. And with Mikheyev, who probably had his best game of the season for sure. In As a Canuck, maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, he... He reminded me of Ilya Mikheyev when he was in Toronto, where probably the worst guy to ever have an anytime goal bet on because he's never going to score, or if he is, <laughs> it's going to be something that like frustrates you. But that's the Ilya Mikheyev that you want because he's going to pop up in many different situations and he's going he's gonna, to you know, uh, be aggressive on the blue line, create, create a breakaway, or, or you know, just be in those greasy areas. So for me, I like that. And it started with Lafferty right off the bat being aggressive and bringing that speed. So it's, I, I think it'll still be a short-term experiment. You go with it as long as it works, but it's nice to know that these guys can play with other players and change their game if need be a little bit. Did you think PD had a little more jump? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a few moments in that game, and I, I go back to probably, um, I think him being aggressive on the PK was nice. There was a, a moment that JT Miller had on a two-on-one, but why does that start? Elias Pedersen kind of showing what he did on the power kill last year. But, you know, the post on the five-on-three was another opportunity where you're saying, okay, there's the shot. But going back to that Mikheyev 3-1 goal, Jason, there was a a zone entry where he picks up the puck in his own zone and goes in with confidence right through the middle of the ice. And it kind of kicks off that zone time. And Philip Hronick ends up taking the shot from the point. And Mikheyev ends up getting the goal. Him and Petey are both in front of the net. But guys, that's the stuff that we've been missing from Elias Pettersson where he kind of takes the bull by the horns and is able to show off some of that speed, able to take on defenders. And I'm not sure, you know, the player and the coach are saying there's nothing wrong with him from a, a physical aspect, but, you know, that was a, a game where he had jump. And in Anaheim, we saw him take over a third period. In that game, it was a little bit more subtle, but you could see there was confidence in his game. There was a, a real dynamic aspect to his game. So... Definitely a step in the right direction in terms of point production for sure, but just the sense you got from him to say, okay, there's confidence in this game and he's attacking. We haven't seen him necessarily do that so much. He's kind of laid off at certain points, but against Calgary, he was able to do that. Um, the PK. Is it safe to say or fair to say that the PK is better than it was last season, but still problematic? Uh, that is fair. And, you know, we talked about this at length last year where. Do they have the right guys on the PK? Um, there were some changes. 
Carson Soucy comes in, Ian Cole comes in, Pew Suter comes in, Teddy Bluger. Now, here's the problem. Two of those guys that I mentioned are in the lineup, and they're kind of showing their worth. Uh, so the PK is better, but through this you know, season thus far, we haven't really seen all those guys on the ice together. So that's one problem. The other thing is um, some of those habits, and I mentioned the Zadorov play where he kind of is very aggressive going to the left, uh, sorry, the right half wall um, on, that, on that play that they give up to two one gold. You know, that one he opens up the middle of the ice and we've seen that more from the Vancouver Canucks in that situation. I'm not worried about it because the is a new player and maybe he doesn't really understand how the Canucks play the PK in that sense. You're supposed to give maybe Demko the shot and then you protect the middle of the ice. But overall, yes, you know, when you're ranked 23rd in the NHL on the PK, um, it's not a great thing. It's a, it's an upgrade from last year, but the area that I have concerns for is just the middle of the ice. It's a lot easier to come by on the PK for the opposition than it was at the start of the season. And a big part of that, hopefully Zadorov helps on this front, is you know, you're not A, clogging up those passing lanes like you were at the beginning of the year. And a big part of that is Carson Soucy, right? Really underrated, active mm-hmm. stick. Yeah, he gets in those passing lanes. So you know, Zadorov should help with that. But yeah, it is better than last year, but there are still some areas where they especially in and around the blue paint. That's a little bit easy to come by right now for the opposition. Do you think Patrick Alvin ha- still has some deal-making in him for the rest of the season? I think so. Um, you know, Trader Jim went into, turned into Trader Pat, basically, at this point, <laughs> and he's, he's kind of got that MO. He's got that DNA where there's a, clearly a vision of what they want this team to do. Now, how big of a deal or how big of deals they make it's you're kind of limited here in terms of what you can do. You've got, you know, obvious needs in the top six, even though we talked about tinkering with the line guys, those are some, you know, big acquisition prices, right? I know some of the guys I was on with reach last week and you brought up the name, Travis Konechny. Well, you're not getting Travis Konechny for, for peanuts. You're going to have to give up something substantial. And I'm not sure that's a deal that you can make this year, especially if you've got an out, you know, a long-term outlook here to say, how do you make this team better over the next couple of years? Can you tinker with this roster a little bit? Can you look at players that might give you versatility to play on, you know, the top six, but also be a little bit, you know, potentially uh, move up and down the lineup? Yeah. And the acquisition cost will, will be as such. So yes, I think there is one more move, but I don't think it's a, a home run hitting move just based on the fact that I'm not sure if the Canucks are in a position to be making deals with draft picks and first round picks and all of that. But I, I think it's safe to say Patrick Alvin's not done until the trade deadline is passed because he is the most active GM in the NHL right now. And, and so far for the most part, guys, most moves that he's made, they work out. And I'm curious about the Zadorov one, because I think there is a long-term fit in Vancouver, especially with Ian Cole coming off the books after this, after this year, you've got a left shot D you got a big physical guy that's 28 years old, um, potentially replacing a guy that's, you know, approaching his mid-30s, that one makes sense to me. Now, what do you do um, moving forward to build and add more depth? Because that Vegas game really showed us, you know, the difference between Tier 1 in the league versus Tier 2 in the Western Conference where you need to have that next man up policy. You need to have, you know, a lot more depth. And the Canucks still need to tinker with that, still need to add quite a fair, fair bit. Uh, I'm going to ask you the poll question that I threw out on uh, Twitter yesterday. It's a tough I one. I heard it was a great poll question. It's, it's an amazing poll question. Uh, yeah. Will Tyler Myers finish the season on the Canucks? Currently, 
52.1% of people say yes, which means 47.9% people say no. So basically split down the middle here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, he will finish the season with the Vancouver Canucks. And people will say, yeah, but Ethan Bear, there's a conversation about signing him. Um, I see the arguments for it, but you don't know what you have in Bear yet, right? Like he's coming back from an injury that we don't know, A, if he's going to sign in Vancouver, and B, uh, what that's going to look like. What's the idea of a ramp up here uh, in terms of him getting up to to NHL quality? And like big assumption here, if he signs with the Canucks, because there will be other teams that are interested in a right shot defenseman to be kind of like a trade deadline pickup for them or right before that. Um, also, this team has put themselves in a very good spot to head into the playoffs. What do you need in the playoffs, guys? Because that four check, the war of attrition shot blocks all of that. You need a number of defense heading into the playoffs. Like you need seven guys, potentially more than that, depending on how far you go into it. And that's why I'm a little, you know, on Tyler Myers front, I can understand the logic of why you try to trade a defenseman to move out uh, and bring something else, whether it's a forward, high impact forward. But this is a team that is in a better situation on defense with Nikita Zadorov, but it's still not ideal. You still need quality bodies. And the way that this team wants to build the defense Big bodies is key. I get the whole idea of asset management flipping, but if you're planning to make the playoffs, you know, there's a reason Rick Tockett's been mentioning Vegas and the team build there because he likes having big defensemen. Tyler Myers, still a part of that equation. And for the folks that are not huge fans of Tyler Myers, actually played pretty decently this year. The Canucks were plus seven in high danger chances when he's on the ice. It's not only him. I know there's other players on the ice too, but... Is he a guy that can help you in the playoffs playing a certain style of game? March, April, um, those months, I think he is. And that's why I don't really see him being traded this season based on the fact that you're, you want to play a certain style. You want to play, you know, plug up those lanes. You want to you be a physical and tough team to play against. When he's on his game, he can play that game. Um, I got another tough question for you. Sorry, Randy, but it's a hard way to no, no, hey, start That's what I'm here for, man. Um, which is going to be the tougher negotiation, getting Elias Pettersson re-signed or getting Philip Hronik re-signed? Ooh, um, yeah, that's, that is a tough question. I, I would still say it's PD, just based on the fact that you're talking about it's the, the more important negotiation. He's your, one of your top two players alongside Quinn Hughes, the foundational piece. So, you know, that one is tough in the sense that term is the, really the, the tricky thing, right? Like that, that's the, the kind of the elephant in the room. Like how, do, how long do you want to be here? Essentially how much mm-hmm. do you want to make? Uh, Philip Hronick is, is, is a difficult one because you're essentially saying, Hey, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but like, you know, where do you rank in importance? And as we've seen this year, you know, he's a good player, but it takes, can you get him on like a Devon Taves kind of contract to say, Hey, maybe you're taking a little bit less than market value, but you're going to be a part of something special. So in terms of the tougher ones, I know I, I was leaning PD when I started this answer, but I think Heronic is going to be the one that you're saying, okay, you're a piece of the puzzle. We can go big with you. We can give you a decent number, but like you're still a part of something and convincing players in today's day and age that, uh, you know, maybe potentially to take a haircut uh, to stay in a, a good situation. That's a tougher negotiation, especially when your agent in, uh, is Alan Walsh. Mm-hmm. Who, who loves social media. So if I'm going with one, uh, I'm going to go with Philip Ronick there just because that's probably a tougher conversation to have. 
Do you think uh, Do you think Hironic and Hughes will just stay partners for the rest of the season? Um, and forever I and ever think, and ever? Uh, yeah, it's a happily made uh, marriage after all. No, I, this year, yes. This year, I think that would be, in my opinion, the way to go just because you're so much better than everybody else when they're on the ice. And Quinn Hughes, his decision-making, his skating, his playmaking, you name it, his shot now is in that conversation, set a new career high. Um, but the ability to have a player next to him that understands and is also aggressive. Like, this is a, a pairing that is not afraid to attack. And it's not only Quinn Hughes, it's Heronic. What I love about his game, 5-on-5, five five, and on the power play especially, which we've seen when he's with power play one is he's leaning into the shots. He's got a 90 to hundred mile per hour shot. And if you're the opposition, you have to be careful of both of these guys, whether it's in the offensive zone, whether it's that, you know, that first pass, um, the ability to skate the puck out of their own zone. So I like the fact that, you know, they're tilting the rink and guys in the preseason, I was pushing for them to be, be split up because I didn't think it would be this good. Now I've changed my tune based on the fact that when they're on the ice, and the stats back it up. There's nothing like it in the NHL in terms of point production. So I would stick with this. I, I think, you know, moving into the playoffs, you might have to tinker with it. Uh, you might have to take the foot off the gas at certain points. But as of right now, yeah, go for it. And I'd like to see that for the rest of the season. We're speaking to Canucks analyst Randy Janda here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Randy, there's a number that came out in the aftermath of the Flames game, which actually caught me by surprise because I didn't realize this. Canucks are now a perfect 13-0-0 when leading after two periods this season. I I knew that they had been good closing out games. I didn't realize that they were Mm -hmm. perfect 13-0-0. And then, you know, I go back to, I had some earlier really great analysis that playoff teams... The thing that they do is they don't lose a lot of games in a row during the regular season. And then when they do start to lose a couple of games in a row, they need to win. My other great theory right, is that's that... That's it. That is important. Right? That's really yeah. good. The playoff teams avoid losing. I'm coming for your job, Randeep. The other, <laughs> the, other, the other bit of analysis that I had is that when you're leading after 40 minutes, it's a good thing to close that out mm-hmm. and finish mm-hmm. winning after you're leading after 60 minutes. But is there anything in particular that you've seen this year, maybe different from years last? One, that they're actually playing with leads going into the third period. But two, things that they're doing to close out these games to be a perfect 13-0-0 uh, leading after 40 minutes this year. Well, one of the things, and I know the, the end of the Calgary game is probably not going with the storyline because it was a little scrambly at the end of the game. It was yeah. a little wild, but... If you look at the majority of those 13 games that you mentioned there, um, it's been pretty comfortable in a lot of games, especially the way that they've been able to grind at some of these games. And, you know, having the right players, having um, the right mindset where you're not, you know, it's not a bend but, uh, and not break kind of system, which we've seen in Vancouver. And there was a lot of breaking going on in the last two years. Mm-hmm. This time around, it's, you know, that skating forward, being aggressive in the neutral zone and, you know, being on top of guys, essentially being on, you know, skating forward as Rick Tocchet calls it. So I think there's a change in mentality of saying, hey, rather than survive, we're going to we're going to be a little bit more aggressive. So they're playing with confidence. And in the past, what we've seen with this team is uh, there was no belief, right? There was essentially a belief in your goaltender, but there's only so much you can do now that they're able to lean into the system. They know where to be in these moments uh, that gives you confidence where in, in previous years, I think it was just a hope and a prayer and. And let's see what we can we can do. And and there was a lot of individual efforts rather than a collective to say, hey, um, all right, if the F1's going in, like, you know, we're going to be in the offensive zone. We're going to 
They have two's going to support, and that's how we're going to be aggressive to end up off this game. Right. The other thing is, you know, I, I think with this team, one of the things that we're starting to see is we're starting to see uh, also a belief on home ice. The last two years, it felt like any time the Canucks came home, uh, they are a little scared to play. And whether that was because of what was going on with the organization, whether that was going on in the ice, uh, they're actually leaning into the home ice effect, which, you know, you talk about playoff teams. What else do they do? They generally and hopefully win on home ice, and they make that a fortress. The Canucks and their point percentage at home, having, you know, at 11 games, eight wins, and one, you know, overtime loss, that's telling you that Rogers Arena, after a couple of years, is now becoming that place again where these guys are comfortable playing. That comes from having confidence in your own system, having confidence in guys next to you. And to me, those are a couple of things where I'm just saying, okay, these guys get it. Last year, you know, Rick Tockett mentioned that they were in a team that communicated very often. They weren't talking on the ice. Um, and that usually signifies that if you're not talking, if you're not communicating, um, you're maybe playing an individual game or you're not that confident in what you're doing. Guys, this year they're talking a lot more. You can hear them up from the press box. You can hear them sometimes on the mics um, at home as well. So to me, this is a situation where this is a team that is actually confident. They know where to do, what to do. They know what to to be, and that's why they're actually composed in the third period, and that record reflects it. Yeah, because we're talking about like closing a game down in the third period, and another number or two numbers that really jumped out to me from that game were that in a one-goal game where you're trying to uh, cover a lead in the third period on the road against a divisional opponent, Hughes and Hronik both finished with like normal ice times. I think Hughes was at twenty two forty, and Hronik was at twenty one thirty two. That to me is a great sign that you don't have to extend those guys to twenty eight, twenty nine minutes a night in a really tight game. There's, a, I mean, obviously this is a door off addition helps, but I think that's probably more along the lines of the ice time deployment that Tockett wants, as opposed to having his top two guys playing close to thirty minutes a night. Totally, and it keeps them fresh for the grind of the season, right? November is when it really picks up. You're kind of running on adrenaline to start off the season in November, December, January. Guys, up until the All-Star break, it's a grind. You've got games every other night. Um, luckily for the Canucks, they've got a, a, you know, a healthy dose of home ice games here. But if you're able to keep these guys in around 22 minutes, 23 minutes, and Philip Ronick's perspective uh, in his uh, you know, situation, uh, there was even less last game. And... To your point, though, that's why you pick up a Nikita Zadorov. And, you know, with Mark Friedman, I think he did a, a great job for, you know, what he is. He's a guy that played 26 games in the NHL as a career high prior to this year. And even this year, he hasn't surpassed that yet. But my point being, he was approaching it. Um, but he's, you know, looking at, what, nine minutes a game, ten minutes a game. Nikita Zadorov is an NHL defenseman that should be able to give you 17, 18, 19 minutes. And the impact that he's going to have on the PK lessens the burden on other guys. And I'm not even talking about, you know, Hughes and Hronick specifically, but you look at Ian Cole's time on ice, 17:43. There's been certain games this year where they're trying to close out a, a, a victory. He's up in the 22-23 range. So it just makes these guys a little bit more balanced. And that's going to be vital, especially as we get into the new year, where you want these guys fresh. You want that level to be high. And, you know, it's nice to see Quinn Hughes and the, oh, wow, he's playing 24, 25 minutes a game time on ice he's up there with drew Doughty and a bunch of other players but you know those are hard miles so if you can bring that number down if you can they can move it down a little bit and he's fresher coming into february march april that's the end game here and that's going to be a huge advantage for this team 
Great stuff today, Randeep. We asked you some tough questions. You had some great analysis. You might also have the best voice on the, on the station. I always find that when I'm talking with you, I like I try to have my voice go a little deeper so it can be like Randeep's. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be the Punjabi Barry White guy. <laughs> uh, career goal. Hey, thanks for doing this, bud. Enjoy the games this week. We'll do this again soon. Take care, Randeep. Take care, boys. See All you right. later, Randeep Janda. Uh, Canucks analyst right here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, get your What We Learns in. We'll announce the winners of the Canucks tickets and the soccer tickets coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.32 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are hour three of this program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. I believe we are foregoing our collective what we learns in order to service the listeners. That's what we do here at Sportsnet 650. Better way to word it than that. Better way to say that. With our college football talk. Oh, okay, good. And our NFL insights. Mm-hmm. We are here for you, the listener. The local Vancouver listener. To service you. Who everyone everyone in this town is upset about the Florida State decision. Repeatedly and thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I do have a quick one I just want to throw in here just because it was just dropped by Oxford's Dictionary. You know how they do their words of the year? Oh, yeah, we're and at this that is, time. This yeah. is relative to our show because we've discussed about it at length before. Okay. Oxford's word of the year is Riz. Really? Yes. Nice. Riz. A short version of Charisma is on everyone's mind, but contextually, it might be the charisma you use at a job interview just as, as part of your context. Def- definition number two, what Mike Halford doesn't have. Oof. Wow. Riz. Yikes, laddie. Sorry, I just... What got into you this morning? <laughs> wow. Is that too harsh? <laughs> wow. What's the opposite of being rizzed up? I just felt like I got rizzed down. Rizzed I, didn't down even, yeah. I didn't even know the definition. I didn't yeah, even yeah, know. It didn't, was, I, I didn't even know it, it was a uh, You didn't know it was short shorthand for charisma. No, I know. not at all. Yep, I know. I, just I, I didn't thought either. it was some wacky thing that kids were the saying while saying. they played video games. Based on based on Bruff, I, I'm old. Yeah, based on Bruff's <laughs> timeline for references, he's like, I thought it was related to putting on the Riz. And when Bruff says video games, he thinks Pong. Right. Maybe Pit- Space Invaders. Pitfall. Yeah. Right. Of course. <laughs> how can I forget the one game you played? Okay. Moo cow that Riz. Fire up the Dob Matrix. What we learned, Humanoid Edition, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! All right. um, Let's give away to the contest winners right now. The winner of the tickets to see Christine Sinclair's farewell match on Tuesday at BC Place, which is now known as Christine Sinclair Place, goes to Jimmer. Is it Jimmer Fredette? 
formerly a BYU. No, it's Jimmer from downtown. 6.08 a.m. He got in early. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. I learned that Christine Sinclair's future club picked up a big win in the <laughs> FA Cup yesterday. Yes, well played, Jimmer. It's because Wrexham, we all know Wrexham now, right? It's a household name. Did they beat, they beat Yeovil Town? 3-0. Take that, Yeovil Town. I love the opening <laughs> stages of the FA Cup. Because that's where you get to see the real names, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Gillingham, Colchester, yeah, uh, Yeovil Town. But anyway, they all sound like a kind of furniture, right? Or it's like I think they make clotted cream. I'm not too sure. <laughs> but, um, anyway, Wrexham, who's having another? How far can Wrexham get? Are they in the third division now? Fourth, fourth. So they're, they're in, in league, the fourth division. They're in league. This is always fun. Okay. They're in league two, which is actually the fourth division, right? And league one is the third division, right? And the, and championship, the championship is that's number two because it sounds good. It does, but it's not quite the best. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of when I think of championship. The number two. Right. <laughs> yeah. So today, for example. We're in the championship. That's that's great, right? Yeah. Mm, eh, not really. It's not the worst. It could be better. Eh. But it's definitely not the best. Um, Wrexham is uh, on the path to another promotion. Right. They're second in league two. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know the gag, in his thank you and farewell video that we played last week to Christine Sinclair, Ryan Reynolds, Vancouverite, Wrexham owner, also occasionally axed for a living. Um he said, like, we have a spot for you waiting at Wrexham now that you're retired from international football. So. Right. And Wrexham is now, I think, comfortably on the way to the next round of the FA Cup where they will take on maybe Leighton Orient. I think they're still in it. Actually, no, they lost to Chesterfield on, on the weekend. So. Uh, Colchester. Um, no, no, Chesterfield. They lost to a couch? It actually did. The Chesterfield actually does have a team. Yeah. Okay. Come on, guys. They lost to a sofa. No, they lost to Chesterfield. I'll always be a Swindon man myself. Swindon town. Um, Okay, so um, congratulations to Jimmer for winning those tickets. And to Chesterfield. Uh, Congratulations to Tambo in East Van for winning the Canucks tickets. Now, you often hear the phrase quality over quantity. What if there's quality and quantity? Because Mm. I flagged four... Solid what we learned from Tambo and East Van, who Four. really wanted these tickets. I'm going to read them all. Okay. Tambo and East Van, what we learned. After watching the 49ers absolutely dismantle the Eagles last night, I learned that with a young and now elite quarterback in Brock Purdy and a young, dominant defense, the Seahawks aren't winning any NFC West titles anytime soon. Yeah, Tam- the 49ers are... Man, like I, I don't know what the future holds for. Well, frankly, the Seahawks, the Rams, or the Cardinals, but the Niners are loaded the right one, now. The one thing Tambo didn't put in that text about Brock Purdy, he said he was young and elite. You know what else he is? Dirt cheap. Yeah, for two more years, twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five, he's making less than a million bucks. It's like when the Seahawks had had Russ. So we got three more Tambos to go here. Tambo and East Van, what we learned. I learned that after watching Brad Marchand and the Bruins beat the Leafs in OT on Saturday, I officially have no idea who to cheer against in this series anymore. I hate both of them so much. Um, that, Marchand had himself a weekend, eh? Well, the Leafs-Bruins overtime was really good. The Leafs tied the game late, forcing yet another overtime. They still only have five regulation wins. There's only one team, with fewer, only one team with fewer regulation wins in the NHL. 
Montreal has four. Montreal has four. Because San Jose is like six now, don't they? They're rolling. San Jose is on a roll. Wagon. Did you see John Tavares' back check or lack thereof? I feel bad cherry picking this. I don't. I don't. I don't. He wasn't even moving. He he was not. He wasn't anywhere close to it. Okay, get back and take the the open man then. Like Brad Marchand's wide open because nobody back checks. Nylander turns the puck over and that's fine, but you can't. He's standing at the red line. He's going like, I wonder how this is going to play out. I know I won't be part of it. I know. That's crazy, I know, man. I know. That's crazy from your captain. Yes. Okay. That that happens. Speaking okay? of crazy from your captain, Brad Marchand, four goals in two games over the weekend. So he fin- finished up that game against Toronto. Went out last night. Nothing big deal. Just a hat trick against Columbus. He is ageless. Did you see, you know, uh, Pete Blackburn and DJ Bean, they've got that hockey show now. Yeah. Have you seen that? So they did a great bit with Marshawn is they had the evolution of Bruins captains and they did it by height. <laughs> so they're like, because we, we they were from Chara, right? Isn't Pete and, like five? No, but they had the, the Pete, best Pete one. Pete is a very small. Yeah, but yeah. They, they had a like a flow chart of, and then they had like the next captain was going to be two foot nine based on how the slides go. <laughs> It was a good if trends thing. continue. And Marshawn sat there and was like, he got he like he played a lot. He was like, that's great. Like it was really funny. Do you anyway. remember how Marshawn would get like quite upset because his nickname was like Marshmont? Yeah. Marshmont. And he didn't like uh, Early on. he he didn't like nose face killer either. No. I think they just call him the Rat King now. I don't think he liked that either. I'm just, but I remember Nose Face Killer. He was not happy. He did make a yeah, quip. He didn't like, like Marshmallow. He made a quip. Yeah, he's like, is, is my nose big? Yeah. Is it me? No. Uh, Tambo in East Van. Okay. Here's number three. Well, we learned after watching Michael Penix Jr. dictate play and lead UW to the Pac-12 title, I learned about his injury history. Two ACL tears already. Mock drafts him as, as a first-round pick, but scouts are going to have to look long at hard at whether he's worth it, hashtag Seahawks. Yeah, I I don't think Michael Penix is going to be a great NFL quarterback. I actually had the little argument with Drance about this. He thinks he's, he's going to be good, and I can, it was kind of like a natural reaction to disagree with Drance. But Just, yeah, um, knee jerk. The, Se- uh, the Seahawks, the Huskies came up big against the Ducks. I will give them credit. They played very, very well in a game where they weren't given a lot of chance to win, which is crazy because they were undefeated and they had already beaten Oregon and they went into that game as nine and a half point dogs and really from the very start dictated. I watched that game. It was they good. nearly blew it. It's fun. They nearly did blow it, but ultimately they got the job done and now they're going to be able to play you know, one of the biggest games in the history of UW, and UW's played in some big games. Um, looking forward at those matchups, uh, it's going to be Michigan and Alabama in the Rose Bowl. And I think Michigan is a one and a half point favorite. And the Huskies, again, are underdogs, this time in Texas, uh, against Texas in New Orleans yep. in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, they are four point dogs in this. Okay, final, final tambo. tambo. The final Tambo. What we learned. I've learned that this five-game homestand will be another good litmus test for the Canucks. New Jersey tomorrow, a suddenly confident wild team, and then three tough Eastern teams. They got to start making Rogers Arena a tough place to play. Well, Tambo, it already is. Yeah, they're eight, two, and one at Rogers Arena. I just think that's like an interesting group coming in because there's a lot of teams that I don't know what they're about. Like, is New Jersey? 
are, are they are they going to make the playoffs with the goaltending that they're getting? They got some injury concerns. Minnesota, how good are they now that they've got a new coach? Because they're getting that new coach bump. You got Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida. Florida seems like the most stable one of them all right now. So uh, if you're wondering, with Dougie Hamilton out of the lineup, and this, look, any team that loses that high profile and that talented defenseman is going to be weakened. But without him, it's uh, Jonas Siegenthaler, Simon Nemich, Kevin Ball, John Marino, Colin Miller, and then the youngest of the Hughes brothers, Luke Hughes. Like, that's... That is not a Nemich great... could be good though. Yeah, but like it's he not. He a... played his first game in the NHL the other day. He's like, what is he, the second overall pick? He's 19 years old. He right. played like 23 minutes. Well, they've got two guys that are basically teenagers on their blue line. Like that's tough. That is very difficult to try and win in the NHL when you have two, you know, teenagers or early 20s guys trying to learn on the job like that. I think honestly, these next three games, they seem like high. There's ripe for offense and goals and. I think that there's a real opportunity here to get some guys going offensively that maybe don't necessarily have it. Maybe, I mean, Petey got the one off the butt, off Zadorov, right? And then that, maybe that was gets that off his butt or off a stick. Oh, I thought it was off his I thought it was off his stick. Was it off a stick? Yeah, okay, I thought yeah. it was. I didn't watch a deflection in real time, actually. Um, okay, I got one here. Dang it, now I've lost it. Okay, Tango, yeah. do you want me to do one? Classic Halford. Derek in the Ridge, what we learned. Brock Purdy is now the leading betting favorite to win MVP. Sorry, I had one that was supposed to play off the heels of the Devils one. Can I oh. do it now anyway, okay. now that the yeah, moment yeah. has been lost? Yeah, I don't want to talk about the 49ers anymore. Jim in White Rock. The, and he's <laughs> headline after the Canucks-Devils game should be Hughes the boss. That was the one that you... Then he said, God, I'm proud of myself for no good reason. Jim, you should be proud of yourself. That's not bad, actually. We like puns Hughes and we like dad jokes here. And we Ooh. like 80s TV shows. <laughs> Hughes will be the boss. Who's the boss of the family right now? Is Quinn has bragging rights over Jack, like 100%, yeah. right? Well, he's Dark Horse Luke. I think he's got it. No, <laughs> but he has to well, wait. I think it goes to the oldest by default. No, because Jack has bragging rights because he was a higher draft pick. Well, Jack should have stayed healthy then. Yeah, that's Jack's fault. <laughs> yeah, take care of your body. <laughs> not Quinn's fault. Quinn stayed healthy. He didn't get hit so much. Uh, Colin and Tawasa, what we learn, England drew Denmark, Slovenia, and Serbia in their pool for the European Championship. As an England supporter, I'm looking forward to getting my hopes up for an international trophy and then seeing those hopes viciously destroyed how about that group next of, how summer. About that, how about that group of death? The group of death because Italy like barely qualified. Yep, They were in pot three or whatever, and they drew into a group with Spain, Croatia, and Albania. Yeah. And Albania was like, what did we ever do to deserve this yeah. group? Yeah, we're going to get killed. <laughs> Um, so one of those teams, uh, Italy, Croatia, or Spain, won't even advance out of the group stage. No, in no, it's it's the, the they. Is there three, a third wild three card? Teams can advance. Oh, th- you oh, have to be one that? of the. So when Portugal famously won Euro a, a few years ago, they their group stage was pitiful. Oh, okay. they got in as one of the top third place finishers. Okay, and then went on a run through the knockout stages. But the the issue is going to be if Albania. Uh, provides a, a banana peel match mm-hmm. for one of the big. They've boys. been really good in qualifying, I think. Yeah, they just don't have the star power of you know Spain. And Name all the Croatia. players on Albania. Can't do it. Uh, they have a goalie named Martin Strakosha. I think he used to That's play in England. Good. Yeah, 
You're just like me. You just know goalies everywhere. That's it. Awesome. Just the goalies. That's it. Just uh, Albanian Ch- goalies. Chayton and Surrey, what we learned, the Arizona Coyotes have won their past four games all against the previous four cup winners. I noted this last week. They have week. a chance at five in a row against cup winners tonight against Washington. Yeah, the Coyotes. What kind of scheduling quirk is that? Has there ever? We got to go back and find this. What kind, of, what kind of scheduling quirk is it? How, how surprised are you that the Coyotes are winning all these games? Well, I noted it after they won. They beat the pre, we said last twelve week. nine and two. They beat three the, the previous three Stanley Cup winners in a row, and I thought that was amazing. But has there ever been it's, a time where Connor Ingram has there ever? Yeah, it is Connor. On an absolute He's, heater right now. And but has there ever been a time where you've played the five? Last five Stanley Cup winners in a row in NHL history. That's so bizarre, but... I don't know. Do some research. Look it up. That's impossible to look up. <laughs> no one can figure that out. Let me just get all the schedules from all the previous years. If why, Hey, I know a lot of our listeners have spare time on their hands. There's a project for you. If you could figure that out. But What are you playing here? To, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to rip off... Says the guy who goes home to nap for four hours. <laughs> That's productive time. I'm feeding my brain. Connor Ingram this year, ten and three with a nine twenty six save. Where did that come from? Connor Ingram. He's a very good goalie. I know, he, but well, apparently because he's in the NHL, he was he a was, uh, third round pick in his second eligible year. He, he should bounced have been around everywhere. I know him well. Like I covered him for the Blazers for three and years. And he does know him more. He's a legend. And he was in the NHL's. Uh, Substance abuse mental health program. He right? had yeah, some issues, okay. and he came out of it. And yeah. he's always been an extremely talented goalie. Just teams were kind of wary to take a chance on. He's him. also hilarious. Okay, because very, is he? very, very funny. Because yes. I remember when we would talk about the Coyotes before. We always used to make fun of Vegmelka, right? Because he was the goalie that was getting ninety-five shots against yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Right, another tough night for old Vegmelka. Veggie there. is tired. Yeah, now wonder Connor Ingram has to play so much. Veggie, Do you think that's that, his nickname, that, Veggie? Does he refer to himself in the third person? Yeah, Veggie needs sleep. Even All goalies do. Even though that's not how you pronounce my surname, my nickname will remain Veggie. Matt and Ladner, what we learned, Jordan Love is really good at football, and the Bears, Lions, and Vikings must be really sad about it. Uh, yeah, Jordan Love might be, well, I guess. I, I mean, Goff has been good for the Lions overall. But the Bears have major quarterbacking questions, well, I, and I the think, Vikings I, have major quarterbacking I think, questions. I think the joke is that it's another quarterback in Green Bay because they went from oh, Favre to right. Rodgers and now right. to Love. I mean, they sat on that. You know, I'm starting to think that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play for the Jets this year. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. It would A-Rod. be so stupid. A-Rod, if you're listening to the show, and I'm sure you are because we talked so much college football earlier, you must be loving it. Don't do this. Do yeah. not come back. No, he's not going to. There'd be no reason for it. I don't know if you're aware, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Aaron Rodgers tends to uh, march to the tune of his own drummer. Like the Jets might play guy. their their fourth quarterback of the season. Like they, yeah, I know. So who have they they've gone? Aaron Rodgers, Tim Boyle, well Zach Wilson and Trevor Simeon. They've already done. They've already gone through four. They've, they've gone through four. Yeah, so they're talking about the fourth, fourth starter. They're thinking about fourth, starting Simeon because right. Uh, what's his name? Brian Boyle, aka Tim Boyle, aka <laughs> Susan Boyle. Um, he ain't it, as the kids say. Mm-hmm. He does not have the riz. What did we say Tim Boyle sounds like? An NBA ref? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. If, he does kind of sound like If Rodgers does come back, though, right, he's, it's going to be like that scene on The Simpsons with the Olympian with the broken leg. Like, he's going to throw one throw, and it's going to just be... <laughs> Like, that's going to be it, right? Like, he's not going to be able to come back. I don't know why. Yeah, that's the inherent (laughs) risk of all of it, honestly. Uh, What we learned on Sign, what I've learned is that we may be seeing some of the most effective asset management, vision, execution, and coaching by the management team that we have seen in years. It's such a treat to actually feel like our club's management is not only competent, but excelling 
and has been consistent in their vision and execution of that vision. A lot of vision talk Is, here. Uh, Are we actually on the way to being a contender? It sure looks like it. Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, the duo of they they don't seem to be making bad moves like they are on a very very good run i'll be curious to see how good a fit zadorov is and i'll be curious to see how quickly they might talk extension with him i still feel like they've got to figure out heronic and Petey before they do zadorov but i don't know it's milstein right it's another milstein client maybe they got something already figured out are you suggesting that they may have talked beforehand no, I never, just like never, that you never. listed off all the teams that they're playing coming up, and I feel confident that the Canucks could win all of them. Like, because in so many years past, mm, I'm just like, I confident. like dread the schedule ahead, and now the way they're playing, I'm like, yeah, they could beat this team. Well, minimum expectations should be, be three, three wins out of five. Um, just yeah, to, that's awesome. Yeah. Just to circle back on that text, though, I wonder if Alvin and Rutherford are just going to shame the rest of the NHL into just doing stuff. It's crazy that the Canucks represent 60% of all the transactions made mm. in the NHL. And most this of them season. have worked. Yeah. So what's key? What's the hey, other 31 NHL teams? What's your problem? Just leaving messages on voicemails like going, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Tree Living, make a move. Do something. I You're dare new in town. you. Yeah. Come on. Mm. Do something. Make a splash. Let's go. It should be the, 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 the poking meme, you know, it's like, come on, do stuff. It should, that Rutherford and Alvin to the rest of the NHL, they're, come on, do stuff. We're doing stuff. The rest of the league should See, be doing it's stuff. It's not that hard. Liam in Calgary with a what we learned. Hashtag WWO what we learned. I learned that the LA Kings are a complete wagon. Good wagon use. 31 points in 21 games and a plus 31 goal differential. They are the cream of the crop in the West. You know what, Liam? They are. If you go on points percentage, they're the best team in the Western Conference. They've played. They have four games in hand on the Canucks and the Golden Knights right now. And they are just picking people apart. Yeah. They are so good. They're so good that... Dubois came in as their big acquisition and has kind of underperformed, and they're still crushing people. You know how we were talking about the Sabres earlier and how um, they don't have anyone on that roster that that knows how to win? Don't you think Kopitar and Doughty are pretty important to that team in that, terms of like, we've that's done how you this wanna, before. Yeah, we, know what it looks like. we know what it looks like 100%. when a team is rolling. We know the things that are important to do. And there's no question about who the leaders are, and there's no question about who controls the room, and there's no no question about who the guy the guys are, right? Yeah. It's it's Kopitar and Doughty. By the way, Kopitar became the LA Kings all-time assist leader last night, passing Marcel Dion. Did he really? Yep. Wow. There's a stat for you, everyone. First ballot Hall of Fame? Got to be. Absolutely. Yeah, Him yeah. and Doughty both. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and that carries clout, too. Yeah. You know, guys know when they step in. We're talking, we're playing with two future Hall of Famers here. So, Okay, music can only mean one thing. It means it's time to go for a Monday. It's been a lot of fun. We got to cover a lot of different bases, so that was pretty cool. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for participating. And to our winners, enjoy going to the Canucks game on Thursday and the Christine Sinclair match tomorrow. Uh, We will be back tomorrow to preview everything that's going on. It's going to be a busy Tuesday in the world of sports. But for now, we got to say goodbye. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. And he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.